Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Aplastic Anemia and MDS International Foundation podcast series. We're coming to you today thanks to generous support from individuals, donors, and our corporate partners, including Celgene. My name is Tricia, and I'd like to introduce Bob. Hello, everyone, and I would like to introduce Nancy Corbett by telling you a bit about an outstanding nursing professional. Nancy Corbett has been an oncology nurse for more than 30 years, serving cancer patients while working at the University of Maryland Greenbaum Comprehensive Cancer Center, also known as UMGCCC. In addition to providing direct care to patients, she has special expertise in education for both patients and staff. With several publications, published one focusing on psychosexual education for leukemia patients. For the last 15 years, she has assumed leadership roles in oncology, nursing, professional societies, and state cancer-related initiatives. Nancy is passionate about providing quality, direct patient care and incorporating evidence-based practice into clinical workflows in collaboration with researchers. Nancy's efforts have been recognized. Nancy was invited to be a cancer moonshot delegate in 2016, which was an initiative supported by the National Cancer Institute that aims to accelerate cancer research to increase the number of available therapies for patients while preventing and detecting cancer earlier. Recently, she has transitioned into the survivorship nurse navigator role at uh, Greenbaum uh, Clinical Cancer Center and is excited to serve as the cancer community in this manner. Hi there, Nancy. Hey there. How are you, Bob? Hello. Well, let's get started. Sure. We know you and others in your role have a huge impact on bone marrow failure patients and their families. So we'd like to ask you questions about the patient and caregiver experience. And would like to start with this question. That is, as you might expect, when a patient is first diagnosed, what is the hardest part for them? And we thought one question would be, do they understand the disease or even have a a partial understanding of it? And do they, once they've come to understand it, do they understand the treatment options that are discussed? Well, first of all, Bob, I want to thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And I want to just say, I think it just depends on the patient. Um, When a patient is first diagnosed with a bone marrow failure disease, a lot of times, number one, they're in shock. They don't understand, you know, why is this happening to me? They're scared. Um, They're not sure what's going to happen. There's a lot of what ifs that happen. So I think that there are those patients that will jump on the computer and look things up, which, um, first of all, I want to put out there, first and foremost, foremost is for patients to go to reputable sites to do any type of um, learning or scouting for information. And obviously, the best one out there is the AAMDS International Foundation. There's wonderful resources there. Um, I think they use that to try and understand what their disease is. So I think you have those patients that actually go and look for a lot of information. And then you have the other set of patients that 
you know, are a bit in denial. They, they don't even want to talk about it. They don't want to even think about it. Um, as far as treatment options, I think, you know, again, it's they look in, at the Internet and they're looking to, to their friends and their family. But I think the best thing is, is for them to be able to get in to that doctor's appointment first and be able to become prepared for that appointment. And when I say prepared, just I want patients to think about what questions they want to ask the doctor ahead of time. Um, some of them would be, um, what exactly is what my diagnosis and when would I be starting treatment? And then what are the treatment options? Are there more than one? Are there different options for my particular disease? Are there clinical trials that I could join? Um, and what are the benefits, benefits of those treatment options? Um, and also, what are the side effects that they can have? Um, does that answer your question, Bob? Yes, actually, you got into my next question. Um, and that was, what types of questions can a patient ask their doctors or nurses? So, for example, to follow on that, uh, could they be asking a nurse, um, someone like you, these very same questions? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, they probably will ask several people. What I, um, as a nurse navigator, one of my roles is to help navigate uh, patients and families through this entire system. And we want to, as healthcare professionals, we want to make sure that folks understand what's happening. They understand what their disease is and they understand what their treatments are. And the reason for that is it's very important that if patients are having side effects, that they know what to expect from those side effects and that they can get back to the doctor and say, hey, I'm having problems um, with this medication and I wanted you to know about it. It's very, very um, important that patients feel that they can go back to their provider and ask them those questions. Nancy, I just wanted to ask, um, you know, does that mean that um, if if a patient reports the side effect they're having, that uh, the doctor can do something about the side effects? Absolutely. And what we don't want is we don't want side effects to get so bad that we have to stop treatment. So it's important that patients let their doctors know when they're developing a side effect because sometimes there's things that we can do to prevent any type of a, a that side effect from happening and then they can continue on with their treatment. So I think being able to have that open rapport with your providers, whether it be your doctor, whether it be your nurse, when you come in for um, your visits, the nurses will be asking you, are you having any side effects? And it's important that you let them know before they get worse. And here's an example. Let me just give you a little bit of an example of one. There are some medications that can sometimes cause um, side effects called what we call peripheral neuropathies, and that is tingling in your hands and your feet. And what we don't want to do is we won't don't want those side effects to get so worse that it interferes with your daily activities of living, meaning you can't button your shirts. So there are things that we can do to hopefully prevent that. Um, sometimes acupuncture will work for that, sometimes providing, giving you another medication. But what the important thing is, is, is that you realize that you have, you know, you should be letting your health care team understand um, to let them know what's going wrong. Well, then to follow on, Nancy, I guess what you're saying here is that 
with a certain type of treatment or medication. There's certain side effects that can occur, but the patient and the treatment team really aren't going to know what might occur until something does happen. And it could be any number of things, I suppose, from what you're saying. So that's why it's even more important for the patient to bring up side effects. Absolutely. Um, I, I can't stress that enough. And, and I think that, um, you know, there are maybe some patients that feel, oh, I'm going to, I'm bothering my doctor. I'm bothering my healthcare team. Absolutely not. We want to know um, when things are happening. We want to know it early. I want patients to feel empowered to call their healthcare provider. Um, if, you know, there's different ways to reach your healthcare provider now. A lot of times medical centers have patient portals. Utilize that patient portal where you can go in and you can email them besides making that phone call. So I think that's, you know, I just want patients to come away understanding that we need this open communication. We don't want somebody to come in five days later and they're in severe dehydration because they've been, you know, vomiting for a couple of days and didn't let anybody um, know about it. I also want to just bring up, I think that it's really important that um, you define what your goals of care are. So what do I mean by goals of care? So what, what are your goals? Obviously you're newly, as a patient, you're newly diagnosed. What do you want to achieve? You want to get better. We know that's number one, but if there are certain things that are really important to you, and let me give you an example, say you have your daughter's wedding coming up in two months and you need to get treatment that is going to be continued on for, you know, months. Let, your provider and your healthcare team know about that so that they can try and work around that so that you can be there for your daughter's wedding. If that means giving your treatment maybe a little bit earlier or giving your treatment maybe a little bit later. I know that a lot of the bone marrow failure diseases, they need blood products. So making sure that you're quote tanked up before the wedding so that you're feeling good at the wedding. So be able to have that rapport, have that conversation with your doctor. This is about you. This is patient or person-centered care. We want you to be able to try to get through your life back to normalcy as best as you can. So again, um, laying out what your goals of care are um, and say, you know, hey, this is really important that I really need to be here for this wedding. How can we do this and work together? Thank you. Um, Also, even if it's answered in lay terms, some of the explanations that a doctor or nurse may give a patient could be somewhat complex. And is there any problem with uh, a patient asking twice? Or can you explain this a different way if the patient is having trouble understanding the explanations and information they're getting, even when they're given in, in lay language? Late terminology. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely not. Um, I think that, that that is very reasonable. Again, you know, we're talking about you. This is about you, the patient. So asking that, um, understanding that. There's um there's actually a method called a teach back method that healthcare professionals should be using. And what I mean by that is after we give you some information, many times we will say to you, can you repeat that back to me? And it's not to, to be annoying, but it's to make sure that we want to understand that you understand what we're talking about. That's a great idea. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I think that you may find people doing that and you, you know, you may, but why do I, why do I have to repeat everything? Well, it's because we want to make sure that, that you um, understand what's going on. I also think it is very important to bring someone with you if possible to at least initially to your doctor's visits. Um, You know, again, it's going to be overwhelming for you. So having someone with another set of ears to hear that, I think is very, very important. Um, I also think that ensuring that you have a spokesperson for your family. There are some there's some very big families out there and one thing that actually helps to keep things streamlined and keep things moving along is to have one person as that spokesperson with you or who asks questions for you. Um, so if you have, you know, again a big family identifying one person and that will be very helpful um, in multiple situations. Thank you. Um in, in a similar uh, vein, we hear a lot. Well, let me ask you: in the current uh, cancer treatment scenarios that there are, you always hear something about the healthcare team. Can you talk a little bit about? And it may vary from place to place, but who the what the roles are of the healthcare team, how many people there are, and what they do. Sure. So I can only speak from working in an academia center. So I work in at University of Maryland, which is a large cancer center. But many of even your community hospitals actually centers have these uh, resources. So you'll have your provider, you, which is you, maybe a, your attending physician. And then you may actually have a nurse practitioner or a, a, what we call a physician assistant. And they actually will write some of your orders. And then sometimes if you're in a teaching hospital, you may have what we call fellows that work along. And there are doctors who actually have decided they want to go into oncology. So they are um, working along with the attending. And then you're going to have your clinic nurse. And then you're going to have your nurse that is actually, well, if you're going to be getting an infusion, um, an infusion meaning like IV chemotherapy or IV medication, that would be an infusion nurse. So you may have that. And then you'll have um, like what my role is. And not every place has navigators, but there's some sort of a role that will just kind of help with care coordination, tying everything together for you. And that's a little bit about what I do. I do that as well as work with survivorship. Survivorship, um, the meaning of survivorship is every cancer patient is considered a survivor at the moment of their diagnosis. So we help you from the moment you're diagnosed all the way through your treatment and then post your treatment. Um, And then you also have pharmacists that are on your team, you may not see those as much, but they actually really look uh, at, follow the medications that you're taking. And then generally there is a supportive care team. And what is a supportive care team would be include a nutritionist may follow you. Social worker will be there to kind of help with um, different needs. And then sometimes there's other navigators within the system, and they would be patient navigators. So an example of that would be the American Cancer Society navigator. Some facilities have a representative right in their center, and then which we do. And then also we have a representative for the Allman Fund. And the Allman Fund patient navigator helps with the AYA patients. And that's the adult, young, um, the young adolescent population. Generally, they see patients that are 40 and younger. So you have 
a whole team that is actually working on your care. You may not always see those, but they are definitely working to provide you the best optimal care that you can get. So although the patient may not see them, the fact is they know about the patient. Oh, absolutely. Um, Go ahead. Well, again, like the pharmacist, I think is a, is a big one. Every once in a while, you might meet the pharmacist that's actually on the team, but there's what we call clinical PharmDs, and they work right with the providers, and they um, really focus on the chemotherapies and some of the monoclonals and just making sure that we're um, all on the same page, giving you the right medication to ensure your best outcome. It sure seems that uh, on this a healthcare team, there's many roles, even up eight, up to 10 almost. And then there's the people who help on the uh, support and emotional side of things. Yes. It divides up like that. Well, now we'd like to shift towards the caregiver experience. And you've spoken a little bit about how uh, a patient may bring someone to an appointment with them just to listen and take notes or ask questions themselves. But caregivers have a big role in uh, bone marrow failure disease. And but it also can be hard for them sometimes. Have you seen and observed this? Absolutely, yeah. I think um, caregivers are, I, I don't even have words to say how wonderful they are. Um, they're there to help you. Um, they're there to provide you care. But we also have to think about taking care of them. There's something called caregiver burden. And it's just, you know, it, it wears out caregivers. And so it's important, if I have any caregivers listening, that you realize that you need to take care of yourself. And I and I please encourage you, whether that would be taking time to um, go get your hair done, um, because you have to take care of yourself in order to take care of your loved ones. There's all kinds of support out there. I know that um, AAMDS has actually a lot of support on their website. If you want to go ahead and check that out for caregivers, there are support groups that are out in the communities that are just for caregivers. And once again, you're able to care for yourself, then you're able to take care of the patient. And I think one important thing I want to just jump in and talk a little bit about, about, and I think this is a good time, is advanced care planning. So the caregiver is going to be important in this because having the patient, obviously the patient is always going to be in charge of their care. Um, They should be the one driving what they want um, as far as their care. But having things written down is very important. And I, I, I always, with first patients, when I first meet patients and their caregivers or their loved ones, we talk about advanced directives or um, making um, decisions. Having that information written down is very important. So I would, as a patient, you want to ensure that you have appointed someone as your healthcare agent, whether that be that caregiver that's with you or someone else who you feel is trusted that would make decisions for you if you were not able to make those decisions that you would want them to make. I wanted to... Uh go back a little bit when we were talking about treatment, does a caregiver, uh, what role do they have in the ongoing treatment phase in the patient's uh, life and experience? And again, this goes back to side effects and identifying them and helping with that. 
does the caregiver have a role in that specific area? Well, yeah, and I think that this is why it's important to bring somebody with you. Absolutely. Um, The caregiver is going to be able to maybe recognize a symptom or something even before you as the patient. And they will be the ones to say, hey, you know, we really need to to call somebody about this. Um, And I'm trying to think of an example. But um, again, well, we could go back to the the peripheral neuropathies and they they might notice that the patient is dropping things a little bit more. And that could be a sign that they're they're losing a little bit of sensation in their fingertips. So something like that, having them involved. Having said that, I do want to repeat that, again, the patient drives their care and they should be in charge of their care. Um, there are some patients that, that don't want to talk about things. They, they want to let their caregiver kind of um, run the show, if you want to say that. And that's okay as long as everyone is on the same page and everyone ag- agrees to that. But absolutely, the caregiver is a very important part of, of um, helping with uh, the patient during their treatment. When it comes to caregiver stress, and you mentioned a couple of options they have to, to manage that, what have you seen them do yourself? What kind of options do they seem, they seem to be going for? Well, and I think it's interesting because there's a lot of resistance. People feel, caregivers feel guilty. They don't want to leave the patient. Um, They don't want to just go out and and do something for themselves. So I really, it's really funny. I use the, the getting her hair done because I can think of somebody in particular and she said, I finally did it. I went and got my hair done. And for her, that just was, it rejuvenated her. So I think it's whether they're getting their nails done or, or that or if for a, for a gentleman, if it's, you know, playing a couple rounds of golf with their friends, you know, again, you need to not feel um, bad about that. You know, maybe a neighbor can, if you don't want to leave the patient or your loved one at home, have a neighbor come over and just try to get out for a little bit. And I'm telling you, it will really, it will really help things along. I think that's what's called respite time. Am I correct? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. There's actually um, some different um um, organizations that will provide respite care. So meaning that they'll provide someone to actually come in to the house to kind of watch your loved one while you're able to go out and um, and do what you need to do. Well, Nancy, we've learned a whole lot from you in this discussion. Just to summarize, could you just, could we just go over a couple of your most important points about sure. the, uh, just what we've talked about. We talked about the uh, treatment scenario in the room with the doctor and the treatment team. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about side effects, and then we've talked about um, the important role of the caregiver. So if there was one thing you'd like to leave for listeners to remember from this uh, wide-ranging conversation, <laughs> what, would you, what would your message be to the patient who's just been diagnosed, has never heard of the disease, and their caregiver who's just there because they've come along? What would you want to say to these people? And you do it all the time, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I think that the biggest thing is I would just to um, take a breath, just breathe. Let's take one step at a time. Let's talk about your diagnosis. Let's talk about your treatment. Let's talk about your side effects. 
and move forward one step at a time. And um, this is a journey. You're going to start your journey with learning and we're going to be with you all the way through it. We want to know what's happening when things change and we want to get you into your survivorship. So moving forward, Um, as far as caregivers, again, I would just say to um, take care of yourself and thank you for everything that you do. Well, thanks, Nancy, for everything you've uh, spoken to us about. So over to you, Tricia. Uh, thank you so much, Nancy. And thank you, yep. Bob Burleson, our communications <laughs> manager. Thank you. For your time and insight today. Uh, remember that our helpline is here for you. The AAMDSIF helpline is 800-747-2820, option 2, or you can email help at aamds.org. To connect with our peer support network, community support groups, and online communities, you can call that number, and you can find us on the web at aamds.org. We'll be here next time. We'll We'll be covering both general and highly specialized topics to assist patients and families coping with bone marrow failure disease. We'll see you next time. So long.